Happy Tuesday, faithful listeners. Thank you for tuning into the Bible Explained podcast. And we are in the book of Acts today. So something you might have noticed recently is that I have removed the intro of me talking because I kind of realized that I do two introductions. The first one is the pre-recorded one that you always hear at the beginning of the episodes. And the second one is the one that I do when I begin talking to you guys. <laughs> However, I do not want it to sound like I, I don't put effort into the podcast episodes. That was something I was actually kind of nervous about. If I got rid of the introduction of like my pre-recorded speaking, would that sound less professional? Would it sound less put together than if I just had the music at the beginning and me just start speaking? So I don't know. I'd like to hear your opinions. So if you love the introduction and you want me to keep going with the introduction, then let me know. If not, you don't like the introduction, you just want to get right into the nitty gritty of the Bible, then let me know that as well. And I will make my decision from there. So you're going to find my information in the description of this podcast episode. That is my business email. So contact me and tell me, do you like the pre-recorded introduction or do you just prefer me to start speaking with the music? But let's go ahead and talk about Acts chapter one, verses 15 through 26 today. This is talking about the 12th disciple that the disciples decide to make a disciple. <laughs> so let's discuss this and let's see why the disciples decided this was necessary to have another disciple after Judas obviously betrayed Jesus and killed himself. So let's read this. Acts chapter 1 verses 15 through 26. Grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea this morning for you crazy tea drinkers. And let's go ahead and read this out of the version that you prefer. But of course, I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. as usual. In these days, Peter stood up in the middle of the disciples and the number of the names was about 120 and said, Brothers, it was necessary that the scripture should be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who was guide to those who took Jesus. For he was counted with us and received his portion in this ministry. Now this man obtained a field with a reward for his wickedness and falling headlong, his body burst open and all his intestines gushed out. It became known to everyone who lived in Jerusalem that in their language, that field was called Alkedema, and that is the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be made desolate. Let no one dwell in it. From Psalm 69, verse 25. And let another take his office. Of the men, therefore, who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day that he was received up from us, of these one must become a witness with us of his resurrection. They put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. They prayed and they said, You, Lord, know the hearts of all men. Show which one of these two men you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas fell away, that he might go to his own place. They drew lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was counted with the eleven apostles. So where we left off on Thursday, Jesus had ascended into heaven. And so the disciples were waiting in Jerusalem for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus told them to do, basically. So right before Jesus floats away up into heaven, he tells his disciples, go back to Jerusalem, wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if the, the disciples knew exactly what Jesus was talking about, but I would guess that they just had faith that it would happen and that they would know it would happen. So the disciples did go back to Jerusalem for several days and awaited the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
So while they're waiting, they are praying with a bunch of people. There's women in the house with them, which was unheard of actually at the time because women and men did not worship together in the synagogues. So that was something that was a little bit different and a little bit interesting. So the men and the women were praying together in this room and just awaiting the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So now it says in verse 15 that in these days, Peter stood up in the middle of the disciples and there was about 120 people in that room. So this must have been a very, very big room that the disciples were waiting in. And you can see that there are more than just the disciples there. There is quite a lot of people in this room praying and worshiping together. Now, this shows that Peter is definitely a leader of all the disciples because he's not afraid to public speak in front of all these 130 or 120 people that are there. He's not afraid to stand up and start preaching to them and speaking to them. Peter really was a very confident person in some ways. So he's a leader. And I mean, that's part of the reason why Jesus named Peter the rock is because Peter was going to be basically the leader, the rock that the the early church was going to be built on. So Peter stands up fulfilling basically the prophecy that Jesus had of Peter, that he was going to be the rock, the stone. And so he stands up and he says to everybody, brothers, it was necessary that the scripture should be fulfilled, that the Holy Spirit spoke by the mouth of David concerning Judas. So David, the psalmist, and one of the most famous kings in all of Israeli history, was a prophet, actually. And so much of the psalms deals with prophecy. And we know this, of course, because Jesus quoted many of the psalms himself. I actually made an argument that Jesus may have quoted multiple psalms up on the cross. So the psalms were were definitely prophecy, and a lot of them were prophecy about Jesus and about uh, Judas. So I'm going to move over to Psalm chapter 69 and talk about this prophecy that David wrote regarding Jesus being totally betrayed by his friend. So starting in verse 19 and and, uh, reading to verse 25, it says, You know how I am scorned, disgraced, and shamed. All my enemies are before you. Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. May the table set before them become a snare. May it become retribution and a trap. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Pour out your wrath on them. Let your fierce anger overtake them. May their place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in their tents. So obviously that is a prophecy about Jesus being totally betrayed by Judas because Jesus was scorned and disgraced, like it says in verse 19. His heart was broken in verse 20. He was helpless. Also in verse 20, he looked for sympathy, but there was none. I mean, all of Jesus's disciples totally deserted him. Uh, He looked for comforters. He found none. And Jesus was alone, betrayed up on that cross. Then in verse 21, it says, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. That's literally what happened to Jesus. Like he was given vinegar and also gall in his wine. We talked about that. It's another prophecy. But now in verse 22, it talks about what God is going to do to the person who betrayed Jesus. And verse 25 is actually the one that Peter quotes. But before we get to that, here's what Peter says. He says, brother, it was necessary that the scripture should be fulfilled, that the Holy Spirit spoke 
by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who was guide to those who took Jesus. So, of course, Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus, led all the Romans and the the chief priests to Jesus so that Jesus could die on the cross. So he was counted with us and received his portion in this ministry. So that's an important verse when discussing the psalm. So Judas was with the disciples, did everything the disciples did. Judas even likely cast out demons and stuff like that, because we know that Judas went with the disciples to do work, not with Jesus. And the disciples all were like casting out demons and like healing the sick. And Judas was a part of that. And that just shows that even if people perform miracles, that doesn't always mean that they are on the side of God. There's actually something in the Old Testament that talks about prophets. It says that even if a prophet has a prophecy come true, it doesn't necessarily mean that that prophet is aligning with God's word, as shocking as that is. And God sometimes allows people who are not Christians to actually do miraculous things sometimes. We're actually going to talk about a story in Acts later on about these guys that were using Jesus's name to cast out demons, even though they weren't Christians themselves. They just knew that they could use Jesus's name to cast out demons and to gain popularity for themselves. So just because somebody does something miraculous and is able to, you know, heal somebody or give a prophecy or perform some sort of miracle or cast out a demon, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are a Christian because there are plenty of examples in the Bible of people who were able to do these things, but certainly were not Christians. Another one I can think of is Balaam, the guy way back in the Old Testament that we talked about in the book of Numbers. You know, the guy that was like beating his poor donkey, that guy was a prophet. That guy was able to literally communicate with Yahweh God. And yet Balaam was like the worst person. (laughs) And he was trying to like curse Israel and do exactly the opposite of what God was telling him to do. So it's very, very important to completely analyze everything you see. Even if it looks super miraculous, even if it looks like this person absolutely has a prophecy from God and it came true, you have to be careful that what they're saying and what they're doing aligns with scripture. Judas was a person who was able to apparently cast out demons and possibly heal people. And he eventually was uh, was possessed by Satan, basically. So Peter mentions this. He says, Judas was counted with us disciples, and he received his portion in this ministry. So he was no different than any of the other disciples for a little while. But then Peter says, this Judas obtained a field as a reward for his wickedness and falling headlong, his body burst open and all his intestines gushed out. So that's a pretty vulgar thing for Peter to talk about, but this is actually what happened to Judas. So it says in the book of Matthew that Judas went to go hang himself and Funny thing, Matthew was the only gospel that actually talked about what happened to Judas. I think the other gospels and the other people writing the gospels were focused so much on what was happening with the crucifixion and what was happening with Jesus that they didn't even want to mention Judas's name practically. They didn't mention anything that happened to Judas. Matthew was the only person who discussed Judas. And it makes a lot of sense that Matthew would be the one to 
discuss Judas because he was one of the 12 disciples as well. So he found it necessary to talk about what happened to Judas. Well, Matthew briefly mentions, very briefly mentions that Judas went to go hang himself. But Peter gives more of the story here. Not only did Judas go out to hang himself, but he apparently hung himself over a cliff. And at some point in time, his body fell and his entire intestines gushed out all over this field. So either Judas had a failed attempt at hanging himself and uh, he, he literally plunged to his death or over time, the rope snapped and Judas already dead fell and his body, you know, burst and his intestines gushed out. So it's vulgar stuff, but it does give more of the story of what happened to Judas. And I think that this is very necessary to discuss this because the field that Judas like fell to his death in became known as the field of blood. And Peter mentions that here. He says this field became known as the field of blood, not just because of Judas, you know, literally dying there, but also because Judas used blood money. And that's also mentioned in Matthew that Judas threw the blood money back at the uh, back at the priests. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be made desolate, let no one dwell in it. Now, that's the psalm we just read from Psalm 69, and that's verse 25. Peter has a point bringing up this psalm, that Judas had a portion in the ministry as one of the disciples. And so Peter is arguing that Judas literally needs to be erased, like completely because of everything terrible that Judas had done to Jesus. Just like this psalm talks about here, let his habitat be made desolate, let no one dwell in it. So now Peter goes to argue on that a new disciple needs to take the place of Judas. So everybody thinks this is a great idea. And the the disciples, in a way, end up fulfilling more prophecy by electing a new person to take Judas's place. So they find two potential candidates to take the place of Judas. The first guy has three names. Joseph, also called Barsabbas, also called Justice, and also this guy named Matthias or Matthias. So these two guys are up for the position of becoming the new disciple in place of Judas. And the reason these two guys were chosen is because they were with Jesus throughout the beginning of his ministry all the way to the end. And we know that Jesus actually had a lot of disciples, like a ton of them. There was people following uh, Jesus all over the place, but the 12 disciples were like the main ones, if that makes sense. And then Jesus had other disciples as well. But uh, these other two disciples clearly were with Jesus basically from the very beginning. So now they cast a lots to decide which of these two guys is going to become the 12th disciple. Now, this was a very common way that people back in these days used to determine God's will is they would cast lots is what it was called. Basically throwing dice to decide whether God was saying yes or no. And by the way, there's actually a proverb about that. It's Proverbs 16, verse 33. It actually says, we may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. So even though we're throwing dice, we're casting lots or whatever, God determines the outcome of every single one. That is a scriptural reference that actually proves that there was something to casting 
lots. Well, anyway, the disciples all cast the lots after praying, and it ends up falling on Matthias. Matthias is the new 12th disciple who is going to literally take the place of Judas. Now, what's interesting is that Matthias is basically only mentioned right here. We don't know anything about Matthias. We also know nothing about this guy named Joseph, named Barsabbas, named also Justice. <laughs> I wonder if God like chose Matthias because his name was easier to remember. Because Matthias only had one name versus 5,000 names. But I don't know. I'm just teasing. But anyway, so the lot falls on Matthias. He becomes the next 12th disciple. Judas is erased and the prophecies are fulfilled completely. And it is interesting that Peter remembered to do this. Even though the baptism of the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet on the disciples, Peter thought to do this. And so Peter, the leader, helped fulfill another prophecy about Jesus. Faithful listeners, tune in on Thursday because we're going to talk about Acts chapter 2 and the, uh, the Pentecost. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So stay tuned for that because we're really going to be discussing the mystery of how the Holy Spirit works and who the Holy Spirit really is. Faithful listeners, don't forget to contact me and tell me whether or not you like the pre-recorded introduction of me speaking or not. I'd love to hear about that. Once again, you'll find my email in the description of this podcast episode. But guys, I have some really exciting things coming up. I'm going to be talking a lot about women's roles in ministry. That's going to be something I'm going to really, really be focusing on, especially as in the book of Judges, we are moving toward talking more about Deborah. And I'm also going to be doing a YouTube video about complementarianism versus egalitarianism and what my viewpoint personally is. So exciting things coming up specifically regarding women and women's roles in the church and in ministry. Faithful listeners, I will see you all tomorrow for an episode out of Judges. Until then, happy listening and God bless.